This is the Troll Patrol. Live. With Justin. Freaking. Through the power of Florida, he says. I do believe Florida is where we're going because we're getting ready to watch the FBI press conference regarding the Brian Laundry. Uh, search, I guess you could still call it. We do not have official word. Apparently human remains were found wherever they were searching for this motherfucker. We got a cat that's going to jump up here and be a part of this. What's up, socks? Now, I, I, uh, had actually planned to be off on Tuesday because I had a lady friend here, so I was not planning on doing a show, but like Monday was totally a, uh, internet issue. Well, we're getting ready to find out. They just, uh, apparently the family was there. I saw a picture of the mother and the father. I don't know if that happened at some other time. This is the Washington Post, I believe, um, is who we are currently with, the Washington Post. We are awaiting an FBI press conference that's supposed to take place in about eight minutes. Press conferences can be a little, you know, give or take. It might be, you know, 15 minutes from now. So we're going to listen to the press conference. Then I'm going to give my thoughts on Dennis Prager catching COVID and Colin Powell dying. I didn't get to do that on Monday. And then I'll be back at my normal time tonight. Internet gods willing. I was supposed to have a tech here today. Uh, Once again, they did not show up. Fuck them. My chair is squeaky, but you guys probably can't hear that. And you know what? I'm not high enough for this shit. Mic check one, two, three, four, five. Microphone check one, two. All the different reporters are checking their mics. Mic check one, two, three, four. Now, apparently, some of Laundry's possessions were indeed found wherever they were searching. And we we have confirmation of human remains. Looks like Dog the Bounty Hunter did not. Bring laundry in alive. We we I mean we don't know what we're going to hear here. I I kind of hope it is his remains. So like this is just he saved us all the trouble. This is over with. We don't have to fucking dwell on this as a country. Tonight we're going to watch the uh, Nicholas Cruz was sentenced. He was the one that uh, shot up Marjorie Doman Douglas High School in Florida. Apparently he blamed the pot and said that this country would be a lot better off if people didn't smoke marijuana. I have the opposite thought process on that. I think the country would be much better off if people smoked more marijuana. That's just the reaver madness. 
We watched Dreaver Madness on 420, didn't we? I don't even remember. I was smoking a hell of a lot of pot that day. I think we did. I got the dough to I had no idea what was going on. Four twenty was so long ago. I'm certainly not high enough for this shit right now. Apparently my lady friend tried to get me to get up and smoke pot with her before she left this morning. And I refused and stayed in the bed. <laughs> Well, to be fair, like she she passed out kind of early, and I did I did work. I did like an hour of work in the middle of the night, and then bed. And I remember socks was cuddled up with me. You can't you can't blame me when I'm I'm cuddled up with a cat. Socks is purring real loud. She brought them all uh, catnip. I believe she got them nipped up this morning. I was still in bed and I was like, where are my cats? And she's like, I got them high. But female, wait, huh? What about, the, what about females? Female indeed. Apparently Sparkles called her a he in chat the other night. Like she didn't know. She don't know by screen name who's who. I've tried to get out of the habit of gendering people. Cause even with even with a name like Warlord. You would assume that's a masculine name, but you don't you don't know. There could be a female warlord. We try to be progressive around here. <laughs> what what are your thoughts? What do you think we're going to hear from the FBI? Did he take his own life? I mean, uh, it would be awesome if he spared us this instead of having two fucking years of a trial and Nancy Grace fucking breaking it down every goddamn day. Apparently, Gabby Petito died of strangulation. Just the kid's behavior as a result seems to indicate that he had something to do with it. 
don't want to pass judgment, but clearly uh, he's acting sus, as the kids say. Oh, you want the door open, buddy? I'm sorry. It's got to be just the perfect temperature for Socrates to want to go outside. It's got to be like 75 with a nice breeze. And that's about what it is right now. So he, he's wanting to go out, lay on the couch, and hang out. Or just hang out right next to the door. Who knows? He's still, he's, he's still right there at the frame. He's not stepped outside just yet. He's like, ooh, it feels good out here. We're about one minute away from the time that the FBI is supposed to be giving this press conference. Then we're going to watch a little package on Colin Powell. Oh, he went all the way outside. Maynard goes out more than socks. Well, it, it, I have a screened-in back patio. Like, he's just sitting there looking at the screen. Smokey goes out there all the goddamn time. Smokey's in and out 20 times a fucking day. He wants to be free. He wants to shoot out the front door anytime somebody shows up. Everybody else don't fucking care. They're like, we don't want to go outside. Smokey's like, let me go explore for a little bit. So it's now 4.30 Eastern Time. We're awaiting the FBI to give us the update. Do Brian Laundry be dead? Why do I have a dry erase board fucking eraser on my desk? I believe it fell off of the dry erase board as a dick on <laughs> That my female friend drew, as well as a cartoon that says Knob Jockey. Because that's what goes on around here. I have not put the, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a... Troll ugly sweater on the freak store soon. I've not put it up yet because I got some feedback on the design and the feedback was more trolls. So we're gonna we're gonna put some more trolls on it. We're gonna get that bad boy up on the freak store soon, so you can have it in time for Christmas. You know what the supply chain issues we're facing could be a little delayed so if you want if you want something from the freak store in time for Christmas better get on it now <laughs> like the Chris Dorner Appreciation Society shirt it's my favorite I love that A cab motherfuckers 
ACAB means these these federales we're getting ready to hear from here in just a second. In sunny Florida, you can see the camera crew back there has on shorts. Oh, did... Good afternoon. Here we go. With the Northport Police Department. Thank you for your uh, continued diligence on this story and thanks for your patience. As Pretty you know, prompt, actually. The department has worked collaboratively with the FBI throughout this investigation. Uh, so, uh, Special Agent Michael McPherson is going to make a prepared statement. There's not going to be any questions today, uh, but hopefully it answers some of them. Thank you. High enough for this shit. Good afternoon. My name is Michael McPherson. I'm the special agent in charge of the FBI Tampa Division. As you're aware, the FBI and the Northport Police Department and our state and local law enforcement partners have been searching the area of the Carlton Reserve for Brian Laundrie, a person of interest in the murder of Gabby Petito. Earlier today, investigators found what appears to be human remains, along with personal items, such as a backpack and notebook belonging to Brian Laundrie. These items were found in an area that up until recently have been underwater. Our evidence response team is on scene using all available forensic resources to process the area. It's likely the team will be on scene for several days. I know you have a lot of questions, but we don't have all the answers yet. We are working diligently to get those answers for you. We are grateful for the dedication and professionalism of the Northport Police. Well, we should have known we wouldn't have a confirmation of whether it was laundry or not. It's going to be a couple of days. Complex investigations such as this cannot be accomplished by one agency alone, but there's just too many agencies to name them all here today. Portions the Mayakahatchee Creek Environment Park and Carlton Reserve will remain closed to the public until further notice. This is an active tyranny. So we ask the public to maintain distance from any law enforcement personnel, equipment, vehicles, and other related activity for the safety of the public and to protect the integrity of our work. We have no additional comment related to today's activities. Our FBI Denver office is the lead investigative agency, and all future inquiries should be directed to them. We appreciate the tremendous support from the public and continue to ask for your assistance in bringing this investigation to close. Thank you. With the backpack found near the Justice for Gabby! Justice for Gabby! Justice for Gabby! We're not going to take any questions. The reporters automatically start throwing out questions. I mean, like, you can't blame them. Justice for Gabby! Justice for Gabby! Justice for Gabby! Like, that's what they're working on! Why are you chanting justice for Gabby at the people that are working on doing exactly that? What what justice do you want if the if the fucking laundry kid is actually dead? What what would justice look like in that case? That's the Fed's press conference. There you have it. All right, now the shit that I missed on Monday that I didn't get to talk about. Colin Powell is fucking dead. I think we've got a nice little video here on CNN eulogizing him. 
Fuck Yahoo. Their stupid ass ad. What kind of memes do I have of Colin Powell that we can throw up in the meantime? Oh, there we we got to the video. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Because you know, Sparkles and I, Media Winch and I have been sending fucking Colin Powell memes back and forth. Here's your, here's your Ashley Babbitt meme. <laughs> Join us, Colin. Uh, also save this. This is a page out of Colin Powell's book describing the torching of the Malay village in Vietnam. We burned down the thatched huts, starting the blaze with Ronson and Zippo cigarette lighters. Troops slashed away with their bayonets at fields of corn, onions, and manioc. Montegard. Fucking shit. Colin Powell breaking out the big words in his book. Montagnard. Montagnard is a member of any various hill-dwelling people of Southeast Asia. Especially those inhabiting the highlands of Vietnam. Part of the crop we kept for ourselves. So slashing the fields that these people were using to sustain themselves. Looting. On later occasions, the destruction became more sophisticated. Helicopters delivered 55-gallon drums of a chemical herbicide. A forerunner of Agent Orange from the drums, we filled two and a half gallon hand pumped Hudson sprayers, which looked like fire extinguishers. Within minutes after we sprayed, the plants began to turn brown and wither. Fuck you, war criminal Colin Powell. Powell, a soldier turned statesman, made history on. Now, now I am sure, much like all the motherfuckers on MSNBC, this CNN report is going to be glowing. Talking about all of his accomplishments, breaking down barriers. African-American and youngest chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and later the first African-American Secretary of State. So I've always felt strongly that you should try to solve conflicts in this world through negotiations, through diplomacy. Anytime we can solve a problem that way. You lied us into the worst foreign policy disaster of my lifetime, sir, you piece of shit. I can't say it was your lifetime because we just described Vietnam and they're in the running with each other. And not use force and satisfy our objectives. Let's push for that. Powell grew up in the Bronx, New York. His parents emigrated from Jamaica. By his own admission, he was not an outstanding student. It's been amusing over the years to have people come up to me and say, well, General Powell, you're chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. When did you go? When did you graduate from West Point? (laughs) Couldn't have gotten in. He enrolled in the City College of New York. Geology was his major, but the ROTC became his passion. Powell flourished as a cadet and after graduating, excelled as a soldier. 
He served two tours of Vietnam before earning a prestigious fellowship. And didn't mention the thing that I mentioned. In 1972. Didn't mention burning down villages. troops, Eventually becoming a general. Killing women and kids. In 1987 as President Reagan's national security advisor. Then... How the f- how the and people say this highest ranking officer CNN is left wing. My ass. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Our strategy to go after this army is very very simple. First, we're going to cut it off, and then we're going to kill it. How long have you been here? Powell became a household name during. More like first we're going to arm it, and then we're going to bomb it. Against Iraq became known as the Powell Doctrine. I express my and it's gonna it's going to thanks to each and every drain taxpayer money straight into the military industrial complex. After a distinguished 35-year career, Powell retired from the army in 1993. Ten years later, the United States would become involved in another Gulf War, and Powell again played a key role. My colleagues, every statement I make today is backed up by sources. Wrong. These are not assertions. What we're giving you are facts. CNN is derelict in its duty if it doesn't follow this very clip right here was saying everything he said was false and he knew it to be false. Conclusions based on solid intelligence. Then Secretary of State Powell made a case in front of the U.N. Security Council arguing that... Where he lied. Because he said they had weapons of mass destruction. The following month... The U.S. invasion began. You're leaving out a part there, CNN. No weapons of mass destruction ever turned up. I regret it now because... Well, at least, at least, at least they pointed that fact out. But you, you should have pointed out that he knew he was lying when he said that. ...empowering youth through his projects, America's Promise Alliance, and the Colin Powell School for Civic and Global Leadership. We're going to go and educate the kids who are most in need. And when I heard their stories, I said, I got to get, this is where I belong. Start here in the United States. A leader and a patriot who devoted a lifetime to service. We've got kids all over this country that are in need of an education. I love connecting with the different people. Holy fuck. Fuck you, Colin Powell. Apparently, a Fox News anchor deleted their tweet. Colin Powell died of the COVID. He was fully vaccinated, so there are some anti-vaxxers that are taking this and running with it. Fox News anchor deletes a tweet suggesting Powell's death raises new concerns about vaccine efficacy. Fox News anchor John Roberts deleted a tweet on Monday that suggested former Secretary of State Colin Powell's death from COVID-19 complications raises new concerns about the long-term efficacy of inoculation. Powell's family announced his death in a statement that also said the 84-year-old had been fully vaccinated. He also reportedly had been diagnosed from multiple myoma, a type of blood cancer that weakens the body, uh, the body's ability to protect against infections. Robert's deleted tweet said the fact that Colin Powell died from a breakthrough COVID infection raises new concerns about how effective vaccines are long term. It was met with an immediate backlash online where plenty of those responding uh, noted that Powell's age and specific health history put him at a higher risk 
for COVID-19, which is true. In a series of follow-up tweets, Roberts explained he deleted the tweet because it had been interpreted as being anti-vax, which it was. Robert said he had encouraged people to get vaccines, and then he also uh, thought booster shots could be important. I'll get the chance on Monday to talk about Dennis Prager, so let's listen to what he has to say about getting the COVID. Okay, everybody, all good. I'm broadcasting from my home. Because you're contagious. Oh, wrong one, sorry. Because I'm not going into the station as I have COVID. I came, uh, I was tested positive last week. And I have. I'm definitely not high enough for this shit. Steadily improving. At no point was I in danger of hospitalization. I have uh, received monoclonal antibody. Of course you have, you rich piece of shit. I have, of course, for years, a year and a half, not years, been taking hydroxychloroquine from the beginning with zinc. I've taken z the erythromycin, as the Zelenko protocol would have it. He's been taking the hydroxychloroquine for a year. This is the first time I've watched this. This is hilarious. Well, if you've been taking the hydroxychloroquine for a year and you got the COVID, doesn't that mean that it didn't work as a preventative measure for the COVID, Dennis Prager? I have taken ivermectin. I have done what a person should do if one is not going to get vaccinated. It is infinite. Now, allow me, allow me to be perfectly clear. Ivermectin is most commonly used as a horse dewormer. So you cannot, you cannot uh, take me out of context saying that I said that Dennis Prager took horse dewormer or horse paste. That's just its most common form. He did indeed take a antiparasitic, apparently. He got prescribed from a doctor, much like Joe Rogan. To have natural immunity, then vaccine immunity. That is not true. That is what I hoped for the entire time. Hence, I so uh, engaged with strangers, constantly hugging them, taking photos with them. He was having a COVID party. I was making myself very susceptible to getting COVID. Wow. Indeed, as bizarre as it sounded, what I wanted in the hope that I would achieve natural immunity and be taken care of by therapeutics. That is exactly what has happened. Because I'm a rich man, I can I can assure that I can get some monoclonal antibodies. In this country, uh, owing to COVID, is a scandal, which one day will be clear uh, to America. I'm sorry, Dennis Prager, but like most of my friends, don't even have fucking health insurance, and if they suffer from long-term effects, which like a third of the people that get the COVID, if you survive it, uh, you're looking at long-term side effects. 
the long COVID and they don't even have fucking health insurance and they're working these shitty ass jobs predominantly in the service industry. Those are the people that I actually give a shit about, not your rich ass. You can go and get whatever the fuck you want prescribed to you at any goddamn time. Fuck you, Americans. The opposition to therapeutics on the part of the CDC is owing to the corruption of the belief in the value of vaccine and only vaccine. Whether it is because of all the money that goes into the CDC pharmaceutical companies or... Well, hey, Comrade Prager, you want to talk about the money that goes to pharmaceutical companies? I'm all here. Let's Let's talk about it. We should have nationalized the vaccine process. Yes, Dennis Prager, I'm into it. Questioning faith in vaccines or both, only God knows. We should have been distributing it to the rest of the world. I have uh, walked the walk on this matter, and here here I am. Here I am. This prayer gonna rock you like a hurricane. Remember, this is my notes from Monday. I don't remember what this is. It just says Ted Cruz face plant. So let's find out what Ted Cruz face planted about. Oh, okay, 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 okay. We've got, uh, well, shit. Let me, let me save this shit. We can actually see what it says. Look, I love the Aussies. Their history of rugged independence is legendary. I've always said Australia is the Texas of the Pacific. The COVID tyranny of their current government is disgraceful and sad. Individual liberty matters. I stand with the people of Australia. What the fuck is Ted Cruz talking about? Uh, We heard from Michael Gunner. He replied back to Ted Cruz. He's the chief minister for the Northern Territory of Australia. Hey, at Ted Cruz, good day. <laughs> From the Northern Territory in Australia, here are some facts. Nearly 70,000 Texans have tragically died from COVID. There have been zero deaths in the territory. Did you know that? Vaccination is so important here because we have vulnerable communities in the oldest continuous, continuous living culture on the planet to protect. Did you know that? We've done whatever it takes to protect the territory that's kept us safe and free. We have been in lockdown for just eight days and 18 months. Our businesses and schools are all open. Did you know that? We don't need your lectures. Thanks, mate. You know nothing about us, and if you stand against a life-saving vaccine, then you sure as hell don't stand with Australia. I love Texas. Go Longhorns. But when it comes to COVID, I'm glad we are nothing like you. Fuck off, Ted Cruz. But did Fauci get proven wrong by NBC? According to Town Hall, he did. At the start of the pandemic, Dr. Anthony Fauci has been preaching about avoiding crowds. So when football season at the NFL and college... uh, 
collegiate level kicked off this year. We feared we could be stuck in outbreak mode with thousands of maskless fans packed together in stadiums across the country. I don't think it's smart, he told CNN last month. Outdoors is always better than indoors, but even when you have such a large congregate setting of people close together, first you should be vaccinated, and when you do have congregate settings, particularly indoors, you should be wearing a mask. Fauci wasn't alone, of course. MSNBC host Joy Reid, looking at the crowds, told Fauci during an interview that she thought COVID is about to have a feast. But NBC fact-checked those concerns, pointing out over the weekend that the fears about packed football stadiums being super spreader events never happened. For weeks, crowds in the tens of thousands, mostly unmasked, have sat side-by-side now cheering on their teams at the halfway point of the season, said NBC reporter Shaquille Brewster. I'm assuming a lot of these people are vaccinated. All while doctors warned of games becoming potential super spreader events, a frightening prospect at the time with hospitals already on the brink. Data paint a different picture, however, after increased vaccinations and higher natural immunity. COVID cases, hospitalizations, and deaths now all down nationwide, Brewster said. Cases are now in steep decline. Oh, do we have video? This morning, college football fans are getting ready once again to pack stadiums nationwide. Four weeks, crowds in the... T- but we, we now have multiple instances of, of fans just being rowdy at games. I thought I had a picture of, like, there's, there was a Titans game or some shit where they, they threw shit. Oh, it was in Tennessee both times. University of Tennessee, where they had to stop the fucking game because the fans threw mustard. Somebody threw a mustard bottle on the field. Tens of thousands, mostly unmasked, have sat side by side, now cheering on their teams at the halfway point of the season. They're bringing more energy than before. People are more pumped up. Yes, sir. People are bumped up. Warned of game coming potential super spread events. A frightening prospect with hospital. Oh, I just, like, this is verbatim what I just, that is what right-wing media does. What did you think? Copy shit verbatim. I think it's really unfortunate. But it never happened. COVID cases, hospitalizations, and deaths now all dead. They copied NBC's reporting and are probably getting uh, a higher traffic on it. It does. It definitely Because they're right-wing propaganda. I see some increased number of vaccinated people. Uh, That's sad. Dwindling numbers, for sure. Cases are now in steep decline in every college football state across the South, including Florida, where that's pretty much because everybody's gotten it. Last month, even as some it spread like wildfire. Gator Stadium. You see it on TV, and it looks really scary because we're not used to seeing that anymore. But in reality, I think the exposure isn't as great as we think it is. Doctors crediting being outdoors, air venues, a vaccination bump during the surge, and natural immunity after Delta swept through younger populations. Dr. Cindy Prinz is an epidemiologist at the University of Florida who's been studying infection control at outdoor events. We prefer to learn by studying, but I'd say in this case, we probably learned a little bit by doing. Oh, cool. Hopefully there's not like another bump. We don't have another fucking wave that wipes a bunch more people out. Can these be done safely? Perhaps we are at the end of the show. Large-scale events increasingly move indoors. For today, Shaquille Brewster. Yeah, that's that's the worry because shit's getting cold. Even that, they just... They're getting the traffic 
off of an NBC report. And then gloating about how mainstream media is wrong. It's That's wild. And I gave them the traffic to their stupid ass story. And NBC News actually did the, the real reporting there. Biden's blasted for violating DC mask mandate. Apparently my my overlay is a little too big and I'm cutting off part of my monitor. I'm sorry for that. I thought I thought it was I thought it was exactly the same as the other one. Apparently slightly bigger. President Biden is being accused of hypocrisy for failing to wear a mask Saturday at a swanky Georgetown restaurant. An apparent violation of the district rules on facial coverings. I think we have video of it. What up, Mergen? It has 420 views. Over so that, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the bong. It looks like Biden is the only person that is not masked. I haven't I haven't been gone that long. It's only been a couple of days. So I came on a little early. We watched the FBI press conference about Brian Laundry. I'm talking about some of the shit that I, I missed out on talking about on Monday. Like Biden not wearing a mask at this event. I really would I, I, w- I wish that Democrats would not give right wingers this kind of ammo to be able to attack them. Let's talk about the Supreme Court Commission. I was interested to see what they had to say. The commission was set up to give the president and Senate Democrats cover for total inaction on court reform. We're reading from the nation, and its draft findings do just that. The Presidential Commission on the Supreme Court of the United States released its draft findings late last week, and in a surprise to absolutely no one, the commission was skeptical of the idea of court expansion or pretty much any other real reform to the Supreme Court. This was by design. Biden put together a commission on court reform that managed to include no actual reformers. He put really smart and interesting law professors on the commission, but none with particular expertise in court reform. He put brilliant attorneys on the commission, but many of them argue in front of the Supreme Court for a living and are therefore not in the best position to question the legitimacy of the institution or its justices. He put actual Republicans on the commission, including Federalist Society members and a lawyer who orchestrated the constitutional challenge to the Affordable Care Act. But he tapped nobody who has been on the record in favor of reforming the court. None of the organizers who have built coalitions in support of reform or professors who have written policies or worked with lawmakers outlining ways to fix the court. They said it would be contentious expand the court 
Mission was set up to do nothing, and its draft findings accomplish that easy work. Its members found that there are considerable near-term risks to expanding the court and worried that such a move would further politicize the institution and threaten its legacy, as if a court that empowers alleged attempted rapists to take away women's rights should be viewed as legitimate by the people. They also howled about the dangers of court expansion in the longer term, warning we could see a court expanded to as many as 29 justices over the next 50 years without explaining why 29 justices, which is my preferred number for court expansion, would be bad. We're engaging with the argument that a 29-member court would have the beneficial effect of depoliticizing the Senate confirmation process. Of course, the commission did not speak with one voice, another deliberate design flaw of the project. The draft report uses a particular turn of phrase, some commissioners believe when it says something particularly fanciful, like arguing that the court's evisceration of voting rights is not cause for concern. It then follows up with the phrase, other commissioners believe, and offers the counterpoint. That gives every individual commissioner plausible deniability, so all of them can say later, I didn't agree with that part. It makes the entire report sound less like serious policy analysis and more like the summary of an, in- of an elite cocktail party. It reads like a discussion between Kang and Kodos. Two aliens. I've, I've been watching some of the uh, Treehouse of Horror episodes. Two aliens who know nothing about the American political process as if the commission wanted to suggest abortions for some, miniature American flags for others. Blame me. Good for Kodos. Speaking of the Supreme Court, they sided with qualified immunity. Supreme Court grants officers legal protections in two excessive force cases. Supreme Court ruled in favor of police officers in two separate cases back on Monday in which officers were accused of using excessive force against suspects. The Supreme Court struck down rulings from two lower courts ruled in favor of moving forward with the prosecution of the accused officers. The high court did so by approving the officer's request for legal protection known as qualified immunity. It's a legal remedy that has been a hotly debated topic among police reform activists and their critics, the justices overturned a ruling by a lower court to move forward with a trial against two Oklahoma police officers who fatally shot an armed suspect. The second case from California involved a lawsuit against a police officer accused of using excessive force while disarming and handcuffing a suspect. Well... I saw this, and I really want to know what the fuck is up with this shit. The assistant, the house sergeant at arms, has been charged with possession of child pornography. An assistant to the U.S. House of Representative sergeant at arms has been arrested and charged with 10 felony counts related to the possession of child pornography. Stephen Barrett, 41, is allegedly the owner of a Dropbox account that contained images of child sexual abuse materials. According to a news release from police in Fairfax County, Virginia, 
News release also said that multiple search warrants led police to determine Barrett or Beirut. It's almost like Beirut. I don't know if I'm saying it right. I'm fucking this bitch. Child porn dude. Was the owner of the account. Detectives executed a search warrant on, on Wednesday on his home in Fairfax County and recovered multiple electronics. He had been employed by the House Sergeant at Arms dating back to 2004. The attorney and the Sergeant at Arms each did not immediately respond to CNN's individual request for comment. He also worked for Capitol Police as a civilian in the Security Services Bureau. Uh, that's why you don't trust the feds. Talking about this fucking judge in Tennessee. Apparently, she created and used policies and a non-existent law to jail children. We're reading from the insider. This is a national story. A Tennessee juvenile court judge orchestrated a system to arrest and jail children, many of whom were black. Surprise, surprise. And some who were as young as eight and nine years old. This is according to an investigation by ProPublica and Nashville Public Radio. The report was published on October 8th and said that juvenile court judge Donna Scott Davenport Rutherford County created a process that involved arresting children, taking them into custody, then filing charges against them. This differed from the norm in Tennessee, where police would typically serve court summons to children and their parents instead of arresting children and taking them into custody. Davenport declined an interview with ProPublica and did not immediately respond to insiders' request for comment. Representatives from Rutherford County, Rough. Rutherford County from the state judicial system also did not respond to insiders' request for comment. Under Davenport's system, in 2016, 11 black children were arrested and 10 were charged with criminal responsibility for conduct of another after they were said to have failed to stop a fight that was captured on video. Attorneys who represented some of the children said criminal responsibility for conduct of another is not a charge under criminal law in Tennessee. Rather, it is a prosecutorial theory, the attorney Frank Ross Brazil told ABC News. So that being applied as a charge in and of itself is unlawful, said Brazil, who did not immediately respond to insiders' request for comment. Davenport cultivated a public profile as a disciplinarian discussing her work in interviews and on her monthly segment on WGNS Radio. She even referred to herself as the mother of the country. Well, shit. Well, can we, do we not have... I I wanted uh, audio. I wanted to hear what she sounded like. Let's hear her little radio segment. 
This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNS. I miss radio, but I can never go back now. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS action line continues. That's what, if I, if I had live to do over again, I would have been streaming and doing porn and shit, like back in like the early 20 aughts. Not me doing porn. I would have been filming porn. Well, let's let's get to Judge Davenport here. Down his first order, uh, either that Friday, March thirteenth, or that Monday, and uh, and we're but he's he's enlarged that order a little bit, and uh, we're we're almost I want to say we're back to normal, but we are back to where what we had scheduled now going forward. Uh, depending on the number of people in the courtroom, we're pretty much being able to have those hearings, and we're, we're uh, we being able to log up as many people as we can. Partly, some people in bullshit charges, and then some in the courtroom, so that we can still work within that restriction from the chief justice. As you look over the past several months, was there any one issue that seemed to have created uh, more challenges for you than others? Trying to do those dockets that I have, as well as um, Magistrate uh, Jeff McCullough has, because they're massive people. Like on Tuesdays, I usually have anywhere from uh, 40 to 70 children in the morning. And if you put a parent or two with that, it's a mixed bag. And you have the petitioners, with which are law enforcement. That that is, but we're going forward. We went forward last Tuesday. We're going forward this Tuesday because how in the fuck is this like being paid for cases, on the radio? It's Fucking shit! Is my internet going out again? Procedure where we're trying to stack. Oh, it looks like it bounced back now. Uh, with the help of our court deputies and my court staff, uh, they're waiting some in their cars, some in the. Uh, how are these people on the radio? Rotate. Getting paid to be on the radio in the lobby, so we're rotating that. This is the so kind of content. But uh, it, you can see the the light at the end of the tunnel yeah, is getting brighter. It yeah. is, and it's not the freight freight train that's coming af- after us. So, so we are we're we're doing a lot better, and we hope to. We'll see. You know where we are. Uh, probably the middle of this month. Uh, I don't know what the direction is going to be from uh, the Chief Justice, but he's going to give us some more direction, I believe, so in another week. For those of you that might be and, just uh, joining us, little by little, she was just making up laws and charging predominantly black children of course, with like crimes. Has, we, we found some new norms that we might uh, stick with that, that have worked well so, for us. Tell us about some of those. Well, one of the things that we have, of course, juvenile court. Seals, and she has her own radio show where she brags about it. Like, she has to be on the take. I'm assuming these juveniles are going to a for-profit system. The court has to lay eyes on them. So that brings... She is still a judge, to the best of my knowledge. School age... Uh, missing school. Some of them travel. They're not all. We just we we got to the point where it said that she had a monthly segment on WGNS radio, where she referred to herself as the mother of the country. I know I'm harsh. I'm very harsh. I like to think I'm fair, but I'm tough. Davenport said in a 2015 profile. Juvenile court is all about urgency. We are not dealing with the offense. We are dealing with the offender. We work on rehabilitation. 
Davenport's process was challenged in a class action lawsuit that involved over 1,000 children that alleged that Rutherford County violated children's rights by arresting and detaining them without sufficient cause. A judge involved in the case said that children in Rutherford County are suffering irreparable harm every day from a policy that departs drastically from the norm. The case was settled in June and the ruling predominantly halted the juvenile court's use of Davenport's policies. Rutherford County agreed to pay up to $11 million, including $7.75 million, to the children who were arrested and detained. About 200 of the 1,500 children included in the class action lawsuit have filed a claim to get the settlement money. Following uh, ProPublica and National Public Radio's investigation, Tennessee Governor Bill Lee said that the appropriate judicial authorities should issue a full review of Davenport. As of October 12th, Davenport was no longer teaching at Middle Tennessee State University, where she was an adjunct professor. Uh, The outlet also reported that the president of the university said Davenport, whose actions overseeing Rutherford County Juvenile Court have recently drawn attention in national media reports, is no longer affiliated with the university. Is she a judge still? I mean, it refers to her in the present tense, a Tennessee juvenile court judge. It's still... Juvenile Court Judge Donna Scott Davenport of Rutherford County. Still a fucking judge. Yeah, she was just teaching a class or two on the side. Uh, She probably just did it because she liked it and she wanted to influence the young minds and shit. Good on the university for letting her go. Let's talk let's talk about Russia Gate. The dude who put out the Steel dossier, Christopher Steele. Is that his name? Christopher Steele. I'm assuming she had something that's the first thing they need to investigate is to see what connections she had to the private contractors that run the juvenile detention centers. I bet she was on the take somewhere there. I'd like fucking guarantee it. And like she she has a monthly segment on the radio. She getting paid from fucking everywhere. In a small town, fuck. This is outside of Nashville. Uh, Middle Tennessee State University is Murfreesboro. About 45 minutes, an hour, somewhat southeast of Nashville. Christopher Steele was on with Good Morning America. I want to hear what he's got to say. I always ask people what the fuck they mean when they say Russiagate. Apparently, he's defending himself. In a TV interview since the dossier. Yeah, you know the title of the documentary, Out of the Shadows. He's been in the shadows for five years. It's been five years since that dossier exploded onto the scene. Steele immediately became the world's most famous and infamous private spy. He had been hired with funding from the Clinton campaign to look into connections between Donald Trump and Russia. 
The raw intelligence he gathered was damning. Some of it's salacious. It's coming up on 420 my time, so Gary, light it up with me if you want to. How do you respond to critics who say you were doing foreign interference? Ain't high enough for this shit. We were not foreign interference. The foreign interference in the American political campaign in 2016 was by the Kremlin and the Russian intelligence services. Well, you are British. You're not American. But Britain is America's closest ally. We have always had a track record of helping America. It would have been very... Everyone says they're America's closest ally. ...was not to tell them. It would have been unthinkable. Fusion GPS is a corporate investigations firm created by two former reporters for the Wall Street Journal. One was Glenn Simpson. In the spring of 2016, he approached you with a job. What exactly did he ask you to look into? Two things, really. One was... Needs work. ...what the Russians were doing in terms of potential interference in the campaign. And two, what the links were between Trump and the Trump campaign in Russia. So you get this assignment, what do you do? You essentially get your network of sources to redirect themselves. Is this the, is this the reason why Trump started talking about the P-tape in front of donors? Like there's like an advanced copy of whatever the fuck this... I guess it's a documentary. He knew it was coming, so he had to talk about the P-tape to his donors the other day. That's what we talked about on Sunday, I think about this issue. It asked them to look into what was being said amongst the elite in Russia and the government of the American election. Was there one key source you had for this report? There wasn't one key source, I would say. There was perhaps one key collector. What's a collector? A collector is somebody who... What the fuck? It wasn't a key source. There was a key collector. This sounds like some fucking bullshit. Are you the key master? I'm the gatekeeper. Fucking what the fuck? He has paid for us directly. Doesn't necessarily have direct access to information, but knows people who do. You can't name this person, but you met with this person in a European city relatively early on. Yep. What did you learn in that meeting? The contents of report 080, I think it was, which are well known to the world. There were claims that members of the Trump campaign had coordinated with Russian officials and accepted a steady stream of information on Hillary Clinton and some of Trump's other political rivals. Seems totally plausible. The first report also claimed... Quote, Trump's unorthodox behavior in Russia over the years had provided the authorities there with enough embarrassing material on him to be able to blackmail him if they so wished. In other words, that the FSB, the Russian security service... That looks like the, uh... On Donald Trump. Like the kink dungeon in porn. Basically, compromise is blackmail in Russian. This was... I forget what that, what that size is. That's part of it, yes. What did he tell you? He relayed several sources, information, sub-sources, information that related to that event. In the Ritz-Carlton Hotel, Correct. 2013. Yep. It would be quite a tape if it, in fact, existed. We are coming on the air now. Yeah, we're talking about the P-tape. The acting attorney general, Rod Rosenstein, has decided to appoint a special counsel to investigate Russian interference in the 2016 election. The special counsel will be Robert Mueller. Christopher Steele and his work 
were conspicuous in their absence from the Mueller report. Oh, it's 420 where I'm at. That was done by Robert Light it up Mueller. if you'd like. A separate report was undertaken by Michael Horowitz, the Inspector General of the Justice Department. The Inspector General also pulled back the curtain on how Steele had gathered his information. It doesn't need. Well, this wasn't so much an interview with Christopher Steele. And we'd later learn he was not someone well placed in the Kremlin, but an analyst in Washington. Got a cat ass on screen. Sought this person out and interviewed him. He said, "Yeah, he basically gathered some of this information, but." He was almost ambivalent about how accurate it was. Some of this information, including that allegation about the salacious tape, had apparently been gathered from people who had just heard about it or talked about it in jest. One of your main collectors spoke to the inspector general, said that especially the compromise was word of mouth and hearsay, conversations with friends over beers. It was just talk. If you have a confidential source and that confidential source is blown or is uncovered, that confidential source will often take fright and try and downplay and underestimate what they've said and done. And I think that's probably what happened here. And are you, you are you believe that that tape exists? I think it probably does. Self-aggrandizing to make yourself look better. So you stand by the dossier? I stand by the work we did, the sources that we had, and the professionalism which we applied to it. What he can't explain is why the tape has not come out yet. His answer is that the Russians haven't needed to do it because they got everything they wanted out of uh, President Trump. But, you know, that's been the heart of, this, of the criticism against Chris Steele, that he's talked about this tape. He put it in there, but it has not come out. And we can start seeing it on Hulu. On Hulu today. The full episode. Well, we can see the P-tape on Hulu? Now that I'd watch. Actually, I wouldn't. I don't know. I got a cat in my armpit. All right, let's go ahead and wrap this up, and I'll be back at my normal time. It appears that they found a body, maybe Brian Laundrie, might not, came on to cover the FBI press conference. Here's a cat getting a haircut. I don't know where to dump you guys. I can dump you like a right wing panel that has nobody in there. <laughs> Over Sansol. I'll be back at 8 o'clock Eastern Time. As per usual. I don't, I don't know, I don't know what to say, because, you know, I don't light one up or tip one back afternoon.
Maybe you do. I don't know. Maybe it's not time where you're at. We'll see you in a couple hours on the Troll Patrol Live.